to the Leadership Upside Podcast with Chuck Carringer, where we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Welcome to the Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carringer. Our guest today is Dr. Debbie Mackey. Dr. Mackey is a distinguished lecturer, intern coordinator, and SHRM faculty advisor at the University of Tennessee. Dr. Mackey, welcome to Leadership Upside. Thank you, Chuck. I am so glad to be here today. Dr. Mackey, as a starting point for our conversation today, can you provide us a little bit of context for your work at the University of Tennessee? What do you do there? Certainly, Chuck. So there are a variety of activities I do here besides teaching class. So I am a distinguished lecturer. So I teach most of the undergrad HR classes. I teach also in our grad program in the evening. Uh, And what brings that curriculum together and real for our students is I'm the SHRM faculty advisor. So within that, we offer networking opportunities for students. We offer a certification class for our students in SHRM. Um, And also, the intern program is where I guess you would say my passion lies. 20 years ago, I started developing relationships with companies across the community, region, and nation now to develop internships, which in turn led to full-time jobs. So I teach here, I help students with career development, and I also help them with placement. Well, Dr. Mackey, you're an expert in uh, a topic that so many um, of my clients, as I'm providing coaching and training services, and others today in today's workplace, I think there are some some um, actions or some some uh, occurrences happening to, in today's workplace that are a bit uh, less familiar, maybe um, completely new to today's workplace. And I, I want to talk about those and gain your perspective on that. So as you think of today's workplace, what are some of your observations? What's going on at companies of all sizes, small businesses, large companies? What's happening today? Well, if ever there was a time of the old saying of HR wants a seat at the table, you have it. You have a front row seat of changing the workplace. On the positive side, there are so many different types of HR jobs out there for the graduate, for the person that wants to be an HR professional. And as I work with employers and place interns and talk to them about what's going on, First of all, the biggest topic is the remote workplace. What are we doing with that? Are you requiring employees to come back to work? Um, Are you doing a hybrid workplace or are you doing both? And so remote work is probably the biggest challenge because that changes everything in the employee life cycle. When you allow people to be hybrid or be remote, how do you do performance evaluations? How do you change benefits? What about salary? So I would say remote work, engagement, and then how do you keep that culture of well-being even when, say, 50% of your workforce is remote? So those are issues I think that HR and the whole workforce is dealing with. Well, Dr. Mackey, you you hit on three uh, great topics there. Let's start with the last one. How do you keep a culture of well-being when in many organizations today, not everyone is coming to work like we used to? There's a, a good portion of the workforce who's working from home each day, working remotely. 
How do you keep a culture of well-being? It's really hard, Chuck, uh, because many companies in our area have a larger wellness and well-being uh, staff to where they have gyms on site, um, lunch and learns, all kinds of things to have that well-being workspace. And so now people are at home. So what do you do? So a lot of companies have offered um, money to buy equipment for home. Um, Again, gym memberships have always been there. Uh, But also companies that I work with have created videos to where either you could jump on and do a video with your uh, team from work, but you're on Zoom or another type of media. Um, And also still walking. Walking sounds simple, but, um, well, COA does a great job of talking about walking in your community. So I think a lot of employers have tried to keep that well-being workspace by offering walking programs, videos, and connecting through Zoom or Microsoft Teams and still trying to keep that well-being going. Hey, Debbie, what are you seeing with companies who just don't feel like remote work really fits them? They want their employees or they need their employees on site. Let's think of a manufacturing company who actually, uh, you know, their work is done in the plant or the factory. Uh, Remote work is just not a viable option. Uh, What kind of impact is remote work or the lack of, of remote work having on employers today from your perspective? I think that you have to do even a better job of engaging those people and offer some type of incentive for them to be at work. Communication and leadership are key. Letting them know you care about what's happening to them. We know the mental health issues are there whether it's remote or in the workspace. And so I think you've got to find a way to continue to engage them, incentivize them, and give them a safe workspace. That's good. Uh, And, and, and Debbie, you, you really, um, you know, you've entered into a space that I'm, I'm frequently in, and that is the leadership and the communication aspect. What are you seeing in terms of, the style of leadership, the the manner in which leaders are best engaging today's workforce. Um, is there a difference than the workforce of, of 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Um, what are you seeing with regard to engagement? I think you've got to be out there. I think you, it's more of a servant leadership and being out there in the workforce. I attended a national SHRM two and a half weeks ago, and Johnny Taylor, the president of SHRM, was everywhere. He was talking to my students. He was out on the floor. He was in the classrooms. He was in our advocacy meetings talking uh, and talking about communication, talking about engaging your employees and showing them that you care. And you've got to let them know what's going on because the unknown is so much worse than not knowing what's going on. So I think it's that leader being out there, especially for those that are in the workspace that are not hybrid. So uh, is are you seeing, Debbie, that 
Today, many, if not most, employers are offering some sort of remote work option. It might not be all the time, but a hybrid model. How prevalent is that in our region uh, here in East Tennessee? Okay, that's a good question, Chuck, because it depends on the industry. Um, Sherm will tell you it's about 50%. I'm not sure it's that high in this area. I think it's a little lower because back to your point of manufacturing, retail, those are essential workers and they can't be remote. So I would, a rough estimate would say more like 20 to 30% in this area. And again, it's back to that essential worker, that manufacturing worker that we have a lot of still in our area. And you've got to show those employees again that you care about them and, and why they have to be there. Dr. Mackey, as you're aware, in many sectors today, employers are really struggling to find employees, to find enough of a workforce to carry out uh, their their function. Uh, whatever that may be, whether it be retail, manufacturing, wh- whatever the case may be, um, what do you observe to be the separators? Why? What causes an employee, and there may be a variety of reasons, but what causes an employee to choose company A instead of company B if the compensation is equivalent or nearly equivalent? So from a college graduate perspective, according to Sherm, and then my informal surveys that I do in class sometimes, um, it's the mission of that company. They are all about the mission of the company and development. They want to know that they have a manager, a coach, someone that will develop them once they get there. So I think that's a separator as far as your new college graduates entry level people for your mid-career or maybe later. uh, It can be a number of things. I think it is flexibility. We have seen during COVID these people that were trying to work from home and have kids there and, you know, all kinds of issues. So I think that flexibility, if you're an experienced worker and that hybrid workforce too, and listening, just listening to the employee and what they want. Dr. Mackey, you named an, um, three of Gallup's uh, well-known 12 attributes of an engaged workforce. And, and I would just reference that um, for our listeners that, that if you're in a leadership role, a, a great resource is to just uh, as a, an opportunity for reflection and to check and see, hey, how am I doing on these uh, items that have been uh, through research proven to enhance employee engagement uh, Gallup's uh, work on employee engagement is readily available, and and I would encourage anyone listening today to to make note of that. You name three of the the twelve attributes they see in managers who uh, manage in such a way to increase employee engagement. It's a great resource, and and I would uh, point our listeners uh, to that. Debbie, you've mentioned Sherm a couple of times today. Would you take a moment and just explain to those listening who might not be familiar with SHRM uh, what okay. SHRM as an organization does and, and its primary function? I certainly will, Chuck. It has been a great resource for myself here at the university, for my students, and for professional development. So SHRM is the Society for Human Resource Management. 
I have a student chapter here at UT. There's a local chapter here in Knoxville, TVHRA, and then you have a national presence. So their resources are just amazing for the professional and for the student. As I mentioned, being at national conference, my students were able to meet the president of SHRM. They were able to network, thinking about when they leave the university and get a job in another region. They're able, if they have 500 hours of internship, to sit for the SHRM CP even before they become a professional. The certification that SHRM offers is available for HR professionals, exempt and non-exempt. And then if you're a SHRM member, there's just all kinds of research, templates, and information on SHRM.org that assist me in making my class more practical, too. Debbie, I I regularly hear managers, many of them in their their, um, mid or late career themselves, 40s or 50s, and they'll express a degree of of um, at times frustration, uh, certainly a, a sense of disconnection uh, with early career professionals. You work with interns, and this group would be just beyond that. They're launching into their career. What advice would you give to managers who are managing younger or early career staff? Some of the same things that we've talked about, Chuck, with Gallup and communication. But we require the internship in the HR program. And I have students come back and just say, thank you for putting me in an office environment because I've worked at the mall or I've worked at a restaurant, which is good experience. But as managers, it's office etiquette, it's communication, it's coaching, it's communicating with them. And it's at a much higher level than being in the classroom. So I think that it's very important to coach them about what it's about. And COVID has set it back a little bit because some students weren't able to complete an internship and get that office experience. And I tell my interns all the time, you've got some grace while you're doing this internship. When you get that full-time job, much more is expected. So try your best to do an internship because I think it helps you and it takes away some of that frustration for managers because they've had that experience and know a little bit about what's expected. Uh, Debbie, someone um, might be listening today who uh, maybe is a small business or larger business, and maybe they're new to the intern intern uh, perspective. Uh, maybe they're considering beginning uh, to have uh, interns uh, in their workplace. Um, what makes a great internship from the intern's perspective? Thank you, Chuck. That's a great question. You know, you can't read in a book and know what you want to do the rest of your life. And in human resources, there are so many ways to go. So what makes it a great internship from a student is I think I'm interested in recruiting. So I spend time with recruiters. I go through the interview process with them. I help them process people. I'm interested in wellness. So I'm able to participate in the activities sitting in on a union arbitration, anything that's actually happening, not just reading about it, but actually being able to be a part of that and actually doing work for the company. Dr. Mackey, if if someone, perhaps they're an employer 
and they've never offered an intern uh, internship program uh, before. What would you advise to an employer as to how to get started? How does one even go about beginning to uh, attract and provide intern opportunities uh, for uh, or for college students who may someday be employees of that organization? Well, you can contact me, Chuck. Uh, I work with HR students, and in the College of Business, they do a major and a collateral, and so they can do an internship in HR either way. Uh, we also have other people in our college, um, and I can help them with setting that up. They need 150 hours for three UT credits, but I can explain all that. But think about what you're wanting out of that intern and I can talk to you about it. other companies that have utilized interns can also, but it's just about 10 or 15 hours a week. And it's actually working in that department and getting to experience things that that recruiter or that manager, whether it's HR or marketing or whatever area it is, the students want to experience that real work. Uh, Debbie, as, as likely you're very aware, I, I, I have observed through my work with companies where uh, some students will serve as an intern in more than one rotation. If, if just if I'm saying that correctly, perhaps uh, a couple of summers or even during the school year. And quite often they'll end up when it's a good fit, they'll end up going to work for that company when they finish uh, their their studies at yeah. the university. So it's a it's a great opportunity for both parties to kind of have a trial run, uh, so to speak. Yeah, it's a, as the old saying, win-win. An, an employer gets someone who helps them, and they get three months, six months look at a an intern. If it works out, they can offer a job. If it doesn't, the internship ends. So, again, as you said, Chuck, it's a win for both sides. Debbie, let's, let's think about leadership for a minute. You are in a variety of organizations uh, from a variety of sizes, Across the country, as you place interns, you undoubtedly are observing leadership and leaders in these different organizations and hearing from your interns when they come back, those who have had great experiences and those who have had experiences that maybe weren't as good as they would like. What do you see consistently as two or three separators between the most effective managers and leaders and those who are not quite as effective? First of all, that manager can serve as a role as a coach, an appraiser, a mentor, and obviously a manager. So I would say mentoring that person, um, working with them, even if they don't have a job opportunity, again, networking with them to connect them with other companies. So mentor, networking, and just that engagement of caring about the student and caring about what happens to them, asking them, you're working in human resources. Do you want to go over here and shadow someone in benefits because you've been in recruiting or you have an interest in marketing? Maybe you have some time to meet other people. Uh, so again, mentoring, networking and engaging that student. Uh, Dr. Mackey, and when when people are buying and selling homes, we'll sometimes hear the market referred to as a uh, you know a seller's market or a buyer's market. Today, on the employee side, would you just say it's an employee's market more so than an employer's market? And 
how uh, do you think that we will return to uh, perhaps where we were in the workforce pre-COVID, or have we entered into a new frontier? It's an employee's market, obviously. There are so many jobs out there. I'm going to not to talk to a grad class about all the opportunities just in this area. And Chuck, I don't think we will return back to what it was. Uh, some of the research out there is predicting the talent shortage to continue. Uh, so I think we're in a new world. But I think it's an opportunity for HR to say, we're up for this. We're going to make it a great workforce, whether it's hybrid or remote. We're going to change benefits to be flexible. But yes, I think we're in for a new era and we've got to change with the, with everything that's happening. Uh, Debbie, uh, I, I feel certain that there are some, particularly small businesses, who employers who are listening to your comments today and some of them um, that I, I work with are just uh, laboring over the difficulty in attracting uh, employees. If you were going to offer um, a couple of tips or thoughts to that small business owner uh, who has today, you know, uh, 10 employee openings that, that they can't fill out of a workforce of 100, 10%, they're, you know, and they desperately need staff, what can they do to make uh, their workplace even more attractive? It is so hard, Chuck, for a small employer because they don't have the resources that some of your larger employers have. I think, again, developing employees, um, start it, even starting with an intern, and um, they can help develop a program. Uh, so I think development um, you can offer some well-being and some engagement that doesn't cost very much money. But again, a lot of soon-to-be graduates are looking at the mission, how you're developing them. So I think those two areas, again, would be the areas, just a culture of engagement where you actually engage with the employee and offering them some things that maybe don't cost a lot of money. But again, you have an engaged workforce. Debbie, would you say that organizational culture, although it's always been important, has never been more important than it is today? Uh, if an organization has a healthy culture, a culture where employees feel valued and appreciated, um, they have opportunities to advance and develop, that can be a difference maker. How important today is organizational culture? It's so important, Chuck. Again, I'll refer back to National Sherm. Michael Phelps spoke uh, one morning, and after he spoke, the president of Sherm announced that Sherm is offering a credential in mental health. So mm -hmm. this is a whole other issue that we have to address. And so I think if you address that and, of course, you know, be more transparent and help employees be more transparent and offering them resources to let you know how they're feeling. I just think you can engage people just by showing that engagement again and showing that you care and there are ways to address mental health. Dr. Debbie Mackey, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with what's going on in today's um, workplace. Anything else you'd like to mention before we close? 
Thank you, Chuck. Again, just uh, if anyone's interested in the intern program, let me know. But thank you so much for uh, this opportunity, and I look forward to working with you again. Thanks, Dr. Mackey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful business leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Today, our guest has been Dr. Debbie Mackey. Until next time on Leadership Upside, I'm Chuck Carringer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Head over to ChuckCarringer.com for more information.